0: Good morning, good morning. Hey, just want to give a big shout out to Marcus Clark and his friends for making that video, man. When, when you give junior high and high schoolers a whole bunch of colored powder and say go have fun, you get something like that. It's Fantastic, I love it. Hey, it's a joy and an honor to be up here today, being able to communicate and talk to you guys today. I wanna let you know that uh, we have a kind of a special announcement for Desperation. We have added a rafting trip on the back end of our Desperation conference this year. Yeah, Pastor Jason's really excited about that. So if you haven't gotten signed up yet, we're actually on a wait list for the fourth bus, so get signed up. Some of our students raised over $4,000 in our car wash so they can bring 10 friends. It's an amazing accomplishment for them. Parents also want to let you know that we're doing our 5th and 6th grade transition on junior year party. How many of you guys are excited for school to be over? Come on, let me hear you. I know. We will ask you that same question in two weeks and you'll be like, oh my gosh, they're home all day. This is sad. But we'll be having snow cones and pizza and we're going to be having a good time. So make sure to get your students and their friends here on that day. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Moved. And it comes out of this verse in Matthew 9, 36, and it says this. But when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion because they're harassed and helpless like a sheep Without a shepherd. Have you ever felt harassed and helpless in life? Have you ever had a moment or a season where you felt lost, where you really wish you had a shepherd, someone guiding you, protecting you, caring for you, leading you? What does it really look like when Jesus sees us and is moved with compassion? Today, my goal and my heart is that we can address these things for you. And so, Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning in this room, Lord, and we come as a people hungry to hear from you, God. Holy Spirit, I pray and ask that you give us revelation, that you open up our heart and give us ears to hear, Father God. Lord, as we just sang that you are a good, good Father, that you are perfect in all of your ways. God, I pray and ask that we would allow ourselves to receive your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I was preparing for this series, I was thinking back to when I was a child and thinking back to a moment where I truly saw compassion in my life. And I remember being in elementary school, growing up in Northern California. And I remember driving down Clark Road with my dad and it was raining and it was the holidays. And on the left side of the street, I remember seeing a a homeless man in an electric wheelchair with the giant orange triangle flag floating in the background. And we have a picture of a man in a wheelchair. This isn't the man, but I remember driving by him and feeling instantly uncomfortable. As a little kid, we're kind of nervous and we're scared in these situations. But I remember going and my dad took us home and he left. And minutes later, my father came home with the homeless man. And I remember this, this paralyzed man in a wheelchair coming into our house and I, I remember the awkwardness. I remember the smell that he had. I remember how uncomfortable I was that, that this, this man, this, this dirty man was now sitting in my living room, sitting in my safe place. But what I love about it is the story that comes afterwards. See, my father picked up this man And put him in a bathtub and bathed him. My father got his own clothes out of his closet and clothed him. I remember him shaving his face and washing his hair. I remember him taking the urine-soaked seat off of his wheelchair and getting him a new one. And I remember how my dad saw this man changed. I remember how when I was sitting there as a little boy who was once scared and nervous and feeling insecure, now I was seeing what true compassion looked like. When I look at this picture, I think many of us today feel like this man. I think there's many of us this morning and we're we're nameless in our community. We're faceless to the people around us. To God, we just feel awkward, lost, and alone. There's something sad when you look at someone and you cannot see who they truly are. Matthew 9, 36 again says, but when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. Today, if you're that person, I want to begin by letting you know that Jesus sees you, that Jesus loves you, and that he's moved with compassion with where you're at. See, this idea of compassion means to have tender mercy on mankind. And when you go down a little bit deeper, it really means a a disposition of forgiveness. And so often when we think of compassion, we think of helping the homeless person. But when Jesus is looking at us, he's not looking at our externals. He's looking at the sin within our heart and he's saying, no, I have tender mercies. I have a, a disposition of mercy towards the sin in your life. I have compassion to help you in your brokenness where you are lost and where you are struggling where you feel nameless I see you and my heart breaks for you As I was looking for a, a picture of a man in Google right I googled you know homeless guy wheelchair rain I came across a story and it's a story of a man named David Douglas and this is Dave Douglas And as I was scrolling through the pages on Google, I came across his face and there was something that captivated me about this man. And I realized quickly that it wasn't mud that was on his face, but it was blood that was on his face. And I looked at his withered body and his dirty hair and the sadness in his eyes. And there was something inside of me that said, I need to know more about this man. There's something inside of me that says, what's the story behind this picture? Dave Douglas is a 63-year-old man who had been assaulted as a homeless person. And the story goes on that hours later someone else came by and stole his wheelchair. And I remember sitting, reading the story about David Douglas. And and the amazing thing was this quote that they had when they interviewed him the next day. And this is what he said. He says, to society, I'm a bum. But in my heart, the world had abused him. The world had stolen from him. But in his heart, he knew that he was more than that. Today, if that's you, I want you to realize that God... Sees you and declares that you are not a bum. Today, if you realize that about yourself, there may be a friend or a family member, and God's saying, No, you need to see them and declare that they are not a bum, that they have value to you in your life. See, Jesus looks at Dave and he sees a man who is harassed and helpless, mucks like the sheep, and he says, No, I will have compassion on you. He sees value and meaning. In his eyes, he sees purpose and integrity in his eyes. See, to see people is to truly save people. And that's my heart for us today that we would learn to see people so that we can save people. See, to see someone means that they are no longer a bum. To see people means that they're not a pet project for the Christian church. They're not something that we can do to pad our Christian resume. To see people means it's not about us, but it's how can I serve you? How can I love and meet you? To see someone means to give value to someone. And we as a church need to begin to see people as God sees people. And what I, I love about this story is, is there's a lady named Carol. In our next picture, this is Carol. Carol is willing to see who Dave was. Carol heard his story and was willing to see who Dave was. And when you look at the picture now, when you look at Dave's eyes, his face, his body language, he's all of a sudden become a person. He all of a sudden has integrity. He all of a sudden has meaning and value. Why? Because Carol saw something valuable in him. Carol was willing to be moved with compassion for him. And what I love when you look at Carol, she is just content listening to him talk. She is just there saying, I see you for who you are. Sometimes for us as believers, that's the hardest thing for us to do is to see people and be willing to take action for them. Right now, I just want you guys to pause and I just want you to look at the person next to you. Just look at the person next to you. And I want to say these words as you're looking at them. To see people is to truly save people. And to see people is to truly be like the Father. See, God wants us to see as he sees but the challenge is for most of us is that we cannot be compassionate about things that we truly not care about. We cannot be compassionate about those things that we don't value. If you don't value the person next to you, there's really not much that you're going to do for them. I, I, I got to be honest. Um, I, don't, I don't care about the ducks on River Road. I'm just going to be honest. The ducks, I don't care. Like, like I heard them into the street. I hit, hit them, people. Like... When we were recording the senior video, I really was herding the ducks into the street. And I hate that one duck that's like indecisive. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, they're leaving me, they're going away. Do I go out and do I not go? I'm like, go, I'm gonna hit you, go. Your life is over, all right? I don't care. I don't care, I don't care. Dallas Cowboy fans, I don't care, no compassion. This may be harsh, but for those of you who don't wear sunblock in the summertime, no sympathy when you're bright red. I have no compassion for you. But so often, it's easy for us to joke about these things. But when we think about the thing that we really don't care about, I think often it's ourselves. See, we need to learn to value the things that God values. And specifically, ourselves. Oftentimes, when when we begin to think about who we are, we look at God and say, no, 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 I cannot receive your compassion, God. No, Lord, Lord, I have failed too many times. No, God, I am broken. I am wounded. I am hurt. No, God, I I am dirty. God, if you only knew what I did last night. God, if you only knew what I watched or what I did or what I said. God, if you only knew, there is no way you would see value. And today, I want to declare to you that God says, no, I do know. No, I have seen, and I still declare value to you in your life. I still declare and want you to know that I want to have compassion and move in a mighty way in your life. So what does the Bible say to you and I about what God values, what God sees in us? Romans 5, 6 says this, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, God died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love in us that while we were still sinners, while we were still making a mistake, while we were still cheating, while we were still sinning, while we were still lying, while we were still broken, while we were still stuck in all the stuff, Jesus died for us. See, even in those failures, God is looking at you and saying, I know you think you're powerless and you're hopeless, but he who has started a good work in you is faithful to complete it. When we look at the things that God values, I love looking at Luke 15 and it talks about a story of a sheep and a coin and the parable of the prodigal son. And, and today when we look at this, we're just going to read through it and just kind of break this down a little bit. Luke 15.1 says this, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Today, there's someone in this room and you're looking at all these people and you're looking at the pastors and you're looking at the worshipers and you're saying, there's no way God's going to leave all of them to come find me. And today I want to tell you, no, God's saying, no, I will leave all of them because you matter to me. For that one person who says, I'm not a part of the family, I'm not a part of the flock, there's there's nothing I can do, I'm too far, there's no way God's going to leave them. No, God's saying, no, I'm going to leave all of this because you matter to me. And today you need to hear that, that God is willing to leave and wants to leave all of it to find you. As we continue to read it says this and when he finds it he is joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors and together says rejoice with me for I have found my lost sheep. Not only is God willing to leave everything and everybody to come find you, but he's gonna pull you in and put you on his shoulders. He's gonna joyfully put you in a place of intimacy and he's gonna declare to everybody, celebrate the sheep that I have found. God is waiting for the moment to celebrate your return. God is waiting for the moment for you to come and to see him so that we may all rejoice. It goes on and says, I tell you that in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, we love hearing the story about the lost sheep. We love hearing the story about it. But when I read this last line, there's something inside of me that's like, no, that's not right, God. No, wait, 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 God, I I am righteous, I am holy, I am set aside, I am following your ways, I am tithing, I am coming to church. And you're saying you're going to celebrate the sheep, the lost one, more than me? No, that that person who comes in who I know was partying last night, no, that person who comes in who who I know has betrayed me, you're going to celebrate when they accept you more than me, more than my faithfulness? And there's something inside of us as believers that begins to well out our pride, our selfishness. No, God, why, why, would you, why would you choose that over me? And we're sitting here, if we're being honest, and there's, there's an anger. And we're sitting here, if we're frustrated and saying, seriously, Lord, you, you love the found sheep over those of us who have been obedient, who are holy, who are pure, who are walking in your ways. We go on to the story of the, the prodigal son. Most of us know this story. There's, there's two sons, the eldest son and the youngest son. And the youngest son comes to the father and says, give me all of my inheritance. And really what he's declaring in this moment, he's saying through the custom, you're dead to me. Give me all of my inheritance. The culture at that time, the only way you can get your money is if you disowned your father, you disowned your family, you disowned your, your name. And he's saying, I want nothing to do with you, dad. Give me everything. Give me all that's mine. I want nothing to do with you. And then he goes and wastes it. He goes to Vegas and parties and gambles on the Mayweather fight and loses all his money. And he's sitting there with nothing to do. And he goes on to say that he finds himself as a servant, as a hired hand, cleaning dishes at the Mirage, eating with the pigs. And we pick up the story, and it says this. When he came to his senses... There's some of you, you're at Vegas, you're lost. And I want to give you hope and let you know that there's a moment where you will come to your senses. There's a moment in your journey where you feel like you're so far away from God that you will come to your senses. It goes on and says, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth and against you, and I will no longer be worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So often when we come to our senses as believers, we we get stuck here. Satan wants us to stop right at this moment. No, I'm no longer worthy. I've made too many mistakes. I I can't be called a son or a daughter anymore. I'm going to settle to be a servant. Lord, let me just be your servant. Let me just do the things, God. but, But how dare I just assume that I can be a son? And there's many of us in the room today, and we don't have the joy, and we don't have the life, and we don't have the intimacy of the Father because we're stuck settling to be a servant. And what I love about what the father does and what I love about what God is trying to say to you this morning is this. The son gets up, it says, and he goes to his father. And hear this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kissed him. The son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called a son. There's some of you, you're coming to your senses and you realize that the father is searching for you. It says while he was still a long way off, that shows that there's a father waiting and anticipating and longing for your return. And as soon as he saw the son, as soon as the son had turned, as soon as you and I repent and turn to our father, he runs to us and embraces us. He runs to us and throws arms around us as a sign of ownership. He runs to us and kisses us as a symbolism for the intimacy that he wants to have. Yet the son is still unwilling to receive the father's love. The son is still stuck saying, just let me be a slave. I am not worthy. And there's many of us again in this room where the father has ran back to you after a time of repentance. But you're still stuck in that idea that, that I cannot be a son, that I cannot be a daughter. And God's saying, let me wrap my arms around you. The verse goes on, and the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring the ring and put it on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. At least we have a feast and celebrate for the son of mine was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. This idea and this imagery of putting the robe on him is saying, No, you are a part of my family. Putting the ring on him is saying, No, you're the heir of my family. Putting the sandals is a place of prestige. Killing the fatted calf is the very possession. And God's saying, I want you to have all of it. We're having the biggest party ever. This son who is lost is now found. We are going to celebrate. I'm going to let you know that you have value. I'm going to let you know that you're going to be my son. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you do not think of yourself as a servant. No, 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 no. You are worthy to be my son. You are worthy to be my daughter. And I'm an al- And today, many of you, God is going to lavish this love upon you. Today, many of you are going to break free from this idea of being stuck as a servant. And God's going to say, no, I declare that you are mine. I declare that I see you and you have purpose, and you have meaning. So often, we we read this, and we stop. We think, yes, this is awesome, God. Like, no matter what I do, I'm going to come back to you, and you're going to embrace me. And no matter my friend or my family member who's so far away, you're going to embrace them. And There may be a struggle, but but you're going to make me your son. And we celebrate. But we so often forget about the eldest brother. It goes on and it says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Father, all these years I've been here loyally doing the things that you've asked me to do. I have been slaving for you and I never disobeyed you. How many of us have done that where where we are so angry about something that we, we steal our identity as sons and make ourselves slaves? He's declaring, no, 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 I'm not your son. I've been a slave to you. How often do we look at these things and say, I have obeyed all your words? No, 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 we're not living in the freedom of being a son or a daughter. We're not living in grace. All of a sudden, we find ourselves living in legalism. Living in religion, finding ourselves checking off the boxes. Look, God, I haven't missed a Sunday service and I'm in a small group and I tithe and my my kids are good and I'm doing all these things and I'm doing all these things. Look, I've been a slave for you, God. Look, I've done all these things. And God's saying, no, no, be my son be my son. And there's, there's this anger that rises up in us, and there's this frustration that rises up in us. And it goes on and says, yet you never gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And hear this, but when your son, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you give him the prized possession. In this moment, the son has disowned his brother. In this moment, the believer has disowned his brother and sister in Christ. He says, no, 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 God. Dad, that's not my brother. That's your son. That person who's abusing you, no, God, that's not my brother or sister in Christ. That's your problem. No, God, that's that's not my sister who's been cheating on me, or that's not my mom or dad who's abused me, or that's not my coworker, or that's not my, no, 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 no. That's your problem, God. How dare you call them my brother or sister in Christ? And there's something amazing that happens in this moment. The father looks at the son and says, my son, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours. Friends, there's some of us that we get frustrated when the lost come in. There's some of us that get frustrated when God leaves us to go find the one and God is saying, no, 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 you don't get it. You never had to suffer. My presence have always been with you. My love has always been with you. All that I am has always been with you. I've always looked at you as a son. I've always claimed you as my own. I've always been here for you. Your joy is that you've always been with me. Son, you're, you're missing it. The true blessing is that I am with you always. And he goes on and says, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Many of us struggle with that. That's a hard teaching in the church. We want to look at ourselves and say, look what I've done. God loved me. Look what I've done. And God saying, no, I love you, but look what I'm about to do. No, I love you, but celebrate the things that I celebrate. No, I love you, but find value in the things that I have value. This morning, there's some of us in this room and today's the day that you need to allow God to see you for where you're really at. You need to expose yourself and allow the brokenness and the wounds. You need to come to your senses and while you're still far off, turn and allow God to run to you. Today's the day that your identity is gonna come. There's some of you that you've been struggling and you've you've come back to the Father, but you're still declaring that I'm unworthy to be your son. I'm unworthy to be your daughter. And today's the day that I want you to celebrate the fact that no, 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 the Father's words over your life are more important than what you think about your life. If God says that you are a son or a daughter, that you are valuable and purposeful, celebrate it. And today's the day that the fatted calf is going to be slaughtered and your identity is going to be restored. But I also feel there's many of us this morning where we need to search our hearts and say, God, forgive me for my jealousy and my pride. God, forgive me for not celebrating my lost brother or my lost sister. God, forgive me for being the older brother and taking for granted that you've been with me. church family, our vision of this church is to find and restore. Our vision of this church is to celebrate the lost sheep, to celebrate the prodigal son. And I believe God is looking at us saying, we have so much joy about to come this way. There's going to be a party in this house. Will you unite with me and celebrate the things that God wants to celebrate? Will we rejoice all together when that one person comes back into this place? I believe the answer is yes. I believe if we today decide to do these very things, our families will be different. I believe today if we decide to celebrate and see the lost as brothers and sisters, our schools and our workplaces and our communities will be different. But I guarantee when those who are far from Jesus come to their senses and walk through these doors and come into this room and we celebrate them, the glory and the blessing of the Father will be so thick in this house that all that we could do is declare that this truly is to pray for you guys real quick, and then we're going to celebrate what God has done. So Heavenly Father, we we come into this room this morning, Lord, and I just pray and ask that we would just bow our heads and we would close our eyes. This morning, if you're a a son or a daughter who's a far way off, and today's the day that you want to come to your senses, if today's the day that you want to come back to the Father, I just want you to raise your hand. Just raise it real high and say, no, I've been far away and I want to come back. It's awesome. It's awesome. If today's the day that, that you realize that God has been trying to place the identity of a son or a daughter over you and you've been rejecting it, you haven't allowed his compassion and his love to flow over you, I want you to raise your hand. If you realize that you don't have the mantle of a son, just raise it high. Come on. I see that hand. If today is the day that you want to repent and say, God, help me to see as you see, Lord. How am to save as you save. Just whisper those words to yourself. So today, as we end, I want to go back to the first word verses that we were reading about the sheep. And here's what I love. It says that we will rejoice and celebrate. So I want to ask you guys to stand with me. And here's my challenge to you. If you want to learn to rejoice and celebrate the things of God, I want you guys to come to the front and dance and celebrate. If you want to learn what it means to see people as God sees people, I want you to come to the front. Get out of your chairs. Don't be lazy. Come on. If you want the love of the Father to come over your life, if you want to know what it means to sing and dance, if you want to experience what true living is, I want you to worship with us in Jesus' name.